0: This message was presented at the GYC 2012 conference in Seattle, Washington. For other resources like this,
1: visit us online at www.gycweb.org.
0: Okay, we have a, a couple of young people who are going to share short testimonies at the beginning of this session. And the first one is Brooke. Go ahead and come on up, Brooke. I've asked Brooke and uh, then Cyrus to share with us something about their own personal experience in literature ministry. Uh, Brooke graduated from Fountain View Academy a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Is that right? She now attends Souls West Bible College, to your Bible college in Arizona. Uh, and so let's have prayer before we start. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity to share together truths from your word and the spirit of prophecy. Bless us as we spend time together. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning. Um, I just want to share with you very short and brief just how impacting this work has been in my life. Uh, Personally, um, as many people have been sharing their testimonies of what this work has done, uh, for me, I was raised in an Adventist home as well. And I'm like a fourth generation, maybe even fifth on my mom's side of Adventists. And so it's been jeweled in my mind, you know, the, the three angels message, 2300 day prophecy, you know, Daniel revelation, you know, share your faith. And I grew up in Clovis, Fresno, Central California. And I heard about GLOW and canvassing. And it was all kind of like numb to me. And so when people encouraged me to go canvassing, Uh, It wasn't necessarily like a hard decision, but it wasn't really an easy one. I just figured it was something I was supposed to do. But I got there and I was very surprised at the experience that God had given me. And growing up, uh, my dad always taught me that you never start something without finishing it. And so when I got canvassing, even though there's many times I wanted to quit, he told me, you're not going to be able to come home. And so I very... I very much pushed through, but it was the best experience of my life. And one thing that it taught me, though, that I still learn every single day, every time I go out and knock on doors, is really how we're in this controversy. And I know growing up as Christians, as young Adventists, we hear that word so much, the great controversy. But when I was canvassing, it became so real to me. I've never experienced a great controversy seeing it visually with people at doors, hearing people yell at you like, Don't you dare go to that next door. What are you doing? I hear it's raining. Or just seeing people saying, I like this book. Actually, no, I don't want to buy it anymore. Just seeing like controversy and changing, and then seeing it in my own life as well. And it reminds me in Ephesians 6, um, where Paul is writing about the whole armor of God. And we know that he says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And that became started to become so real to me. As I was out there knocking on doors, I started to realize that I was involved in this controversy and that I had a really important role to play. And we know that as it goes on in the whole armor of God, it talks about how we should stand and having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Canvassing took me to the Word of God. i become so numb to it, you know, good Christian home or whatever, that the Word of God and morning devotions was not attractive to me. But when I went out there canvassing, I saw people who were really in the darkness and made me cherish the light so much more. It made this controversy of good and evil so much more powerful in my life, and it made me just want to choose good, to choose God, to constantly choose that. Because I saw, you know, sometimes... We're in such a good environment, we don't really see the true wickedness of the world. And we think that, oh, you know, I'm okay. But I got out there and I was so faced with it that it made me get on my knees. And it made me study the word of God. And then we see in verse 15, "...having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and encouraged me to practically live out Christianity, and not share just at doors, but in day-to-day life." And then in verse eighteen, this is my favorite uh, passage. It says, "Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." And really, in the end, it's made everything so much more practical. And now, when I'm not <laughs> when I'm not knocking on doors, when I'm not in the Word of God, this is Renella shared. I really see like the dirtiness of myself. And it's beautiful because Camasine shows me my need of Jesus, but it really helps me to know how to fight, how to overcome, and to really choose the good and this great controversy. And so I guess it really helped me to see that no matter your background, no matter what your experience has been, God has a beautiful challenge that he has for you in your life today that you can face. And I love challenges, challenges, and Camasine has definitely been that for me.
1: Amen.
0: Uh, the the next testimony is from Cyrus. We call him King Cyrus, uh, but his last name is Guccione. And Cyrus is uh, in in, uh, public college right now. He's in his second year. And I've asked Cyrus to share briefly what participating in aggressive outreach, literature outreach, has done for him personally.
1: My name is Cyrus, and uh, I'd like to share my experience canvassing through an experience, um, I'm sorry, through, through... through, um, yeah, actually an experience I had in a door. And uh, as I knocked on this door, this man came out. His name is Roman. And Roman was an elderly man. And you wouldn't know it just by by looking at him, but Roman actually struggled with deep, deep depression. And uh, as we got talking, Roman um, opened opened up to me and just said, you know, I've, I've been trying so many different things, trying to stop my depression and trying to, you know, be able to um, get over it. And it all started when his wife left left him many years ago. And he tried to kill himself. He tried to drown himself in his truck. And he was unsuccessful. And he's always, ever, always unsuccessful. And he's he's done so many things trying to kill himself, commit suicide. He's tried tried to buy a rope and, and hang himself or jump off a bridge. Or, there's just so many different times where... He would try to take his life, but be unsuccessful. And so he was open to so many different ways that he can stop this. And so I showed him a book, Lessons of Love, which is a compilation of Crest Object Lessons. And he was so happy to see this. It was, it was difficult, to, it's difficult to describe the, the moment we had there, but he was, he was just very glad. And um, in the canvassing world, it's, it's, um, it's awesome when you can say to the person, you know, this, I believe, has been a divine appointment. You know, and in this experience, actually, Roman told that to me. You know, he said this has been a divine appointment, and right there, I had to step back and say this is actually a divine appointment. You know, and he wanted to pray with me, and we knelt there on his on his porch, and we 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 prayed together, hand in hand, and um, it's just amazing that we can actually be the messenger in this great controversy that Brooke was talking about. It's incredible, and I want to read this um, quote from. Cole Porter, Cole Porter Ministries, it says, it says here, um, the lost sheep of God's fold are scattered in every place and the work that should be done for them is being neglected. From the light given me, I know that where there is one canvasser in the field, there should be 100. Canvassers should be encouraged to take hold of this work, not to canvass for storybooks, but to bring before the world the books containing truth essential for this time. And I just, I just think it's a privilege that we can be a part of prophecy, to be able to be those messengers of light, and that is what canvassing has done for me, to have that privilege.
0: Thank you, Cyrus, and Brooke. <clears throat> It's nice to see you all. I don't know how many of you. How many of you have been to uh, at least one other seminar in this room? How many of you, this is your first seminar in this room? Oh, welcome. Um, I could take the first 45 minutes reviewing, but I'll resist that urge. <laughs> it's nice to see you. This is Streams of Light. The title of today is in, The In of the In and Out, The Shaking, The Shaking, literature, and eschatology. What's going to happen at the end of the world? A lot of girls in this room. Is that normal? Like mostly girls over here. I guess there's some guys over here. Okay, very good. It's nice to see you. I'm happy to be here in Seattle. I visited where I knocked doors for the first time in my life. That was uh, a few years ago. I was a Bible worker in the city of Seattle for one year, so I'm very happy to be back. My name is Bill Crick. I'm Director of Literature Ministries for Central California Conference. I love my job. My wife is sitting in the back row there, and I'm looking forward to spending a few moments with you. We work at the program called California Youth Rush. You just heard some of the youth and young adults talk about this program. Uh, There they are all putting their hands in the middle for a big rah-rah. Uh, before they go out for the day, and there's a, ba- a bag of books there. It's really amazing what God has done. That's one of our books, Peace Above the Storm. It's a beautiful edition of Steps to Christ. Uh, that's one of our cookbooks. Folks, I, it's, it still is amazing to me what God does through literature evangelism for young people themselves. Now, what, it, what God does for the people out there is amazing, and how He uses literature. But what it does for us as individuals is amazing. These people started their ministry. In literature evangelism and literature evangelism leadership, I happened to walk with Adam Ramden, our Sabbath speaker, as he was going from the hotel. I said, I heard you were a Magabook leader, right? And I, I, you know, he was a, a leader in our literature evangelism programs in the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. He says, he told me all the different places that he was a leader. First, he was a student. Then he was a leader. Eight programs he did. Amazing. You've heard, seen that guy? Israel Ramos. He spoke to us on Friday night. He was a, a leader in literature evangelism for years Taj Pakhleb, conference evangelist. He was a literature evangelist leader for years and years. Now he's a full-time evangelist. That's God using using this work. Before we start uh, our specific message, I want to tell you a couple more stories. I told a bunch at the end of last session. This session, I want to tell you a couple more. And these are stories where God has pulled back the curtain... And instead of delayed gratification evangelism, it's immediate gratification evangelism, right? Literature evangelism is delayed gratification. You sow the seed and you wait for a long time. And it springs up and bears fruit later. So it takes faith, right? It takes faith. So, But these are some exceptions to the rule. There was a young lady who was going door to door. And she uh, was not a very good canvasser. God particularly likes to use people who don't have a lot of skill. I don't know why it is. Actually, I do. It's so that he gets gets the glory. And she knocked at the young man's door. The young man opens the door. He buys two books from her, a book uh, about readings for the home and a steps to Christ. And he told me later, personally, he said her presentation was really terrible. (laughs) But he was so blessed in that contact, He signed up for Bible studies. He wanted to know about the Bible. And my wife and I had the privilege of following up. My wife was persistent in trying to get a hold of him. We studied the Bible with him. We sat down for our first Bible study. And I said, our first text is in the book of Matthew. And it's in the New Testament. And he said, New Testament? What's that? And I said, oh, it's the second half of the Bible. And Matthew, That was one of Jesus' disciples. He says, Oh, disciples, I've heard of them. Weren't there 13 of those guys? And at that point we knew that he had no religious background, right? (laughs) He had not, he had no, no experience. And then he looked at us and he said, I just want you to know that I'm a blank page. I don't know anything. It was a beautiful experience teaching him about the gospel. And after some time, he was baptized. And he's still going to church. And uh, actively involved in his local church. Just because some kid was willing to go out by faith, knock on doors, do her best, and God blessed that. Amen. God blessed that. How about this story? Okay, so there are two, gor- two girls, and they're going door to door. People buy a whole bunch of books. Woo, they're amazing. They walk back, they're walking down the street, and they say, oh, wait a minute, I forgot to ask them for Bible studies. So they go back, they say, I'm glad you bought all the, those books, but would you please you know, sign up for Bible studies? We, it's a free service we have in the community, et cetera. They said, Yeah, we'd love Bible studies. The Bible worker goes over to the home. They study the Bible with them. They invite their neighbors. Two families studying the Bible. Evangelist comes to town. They, both families attend the evangelistic series. The first family says, Forget it. I don't, I don't accept the Sabbath. I don't accept the stuff. They fall away. The second family says, Yes, I accept everything. And they were baptized the man was convicted that he should be a pastor. He goes to Southern Adventist University, takes theology. He's now a pastor in Kansas and Nebraska area because two girls decided to be faithful. I have story after 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 story like this. One of my favorite stories is this family that decided to be baptized because some girl knocked on the door and the girl who did the knocking happened to show up the day of the baptism. So she goes... She's there, and she's watching the people get baptized. How'd you like that to, that to happen to you? So she sh- shows up that day, and afterwards, they're in the fellowship hall, and they see each other, and they hug, and I'm watching this from behind. I'm looking at the, the girl who did the canvassing. I'm looking at her back, and the lady who was baptized is sh- putting her face toward me and with wet hair. It's nice to see wet hair in church, isn't it? <laughs> Baptisms. And the lady says, I'll never forget this, she says, as she hugged her tight, she said, I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't knocked on my door. How much is that worth? Is that worth a summer? Is that worth some of your time? I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't knocked on my door. She and her husband and her son were baptized. It's exciting to what to see Just the beginnings of God, what God is going to do at the end of time. One more quick story. So, I was uh, canvassing one day in the city of Fresno. And there was a young 15-year-old boy who got into the van who's not a very talkative kid. He's one of these quiet guys. You know the kind that I'm talking about? You don't like to say a lot. I play video games, whatever. Okay, so he gets in the van and his face was white like a sheet. I thought, are you okay? You know, I'm saying, what's, what's wrong with this kid? And he said, I, um, I just had the experience of my whole life. I can't believe it. So I said, what happened? He said, well, um, I, he really struggled to spit it out. He said he just went to the door, and the lady opened the door. He made friends or whatever, and then he showed a great controversy. And the lady looked, and she says, what denomination is this? And he said, Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And she turned away, and when she turned back, she was crying. And she's like, I just finished praying for light on the Sabbath, and you just knocked on my door. And the kid was like this, you know. The lady gets the book. A few months later, she's baptized. And this is not Mr. Talented Kid. This is not the president of the class, folks. God delights to use the weakest tools. He delights to do that. Let's get into our our message. We'll have a few more stories in a moment. Joel chapter 2 is our first verse. Joel chapter 2. The in of the in and out. What on earth are we talking about? The in of the in and out. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23, Joel chapter 2, verse 23, I have most of the scriptures here on the screen for the sake of the recording, I'm going to read them. He has given you the former rain faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Only five verses later, the Bible gives a clear explanation of what the prophet meant. That's in verse 28 and 29. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days. Most of us are familiar with the concept of of the latter reign the prototype for the latter reign is the early reign which is what we're studying this four days, right? Acts, the revolution continues the sequel is Pentecost 2 Pentecost 2 and it will be very similar to the first reign the latter reign is the sequel Pentecost 2 What was that like? Acts 2.41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. This verse summarizes the immediate effect of the first dose of the Holy Spirit's power given to God's people. And in Acts four four, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So empowered by the second dose of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost 2, God's people will enter a period of extremely successful missionary effort. Yesterday, I went to uh, a place on the, the, uh, the waterfront of Lake Washington. And if you know Seattle, you know, who else lives on the lakefront of Lake Washington? Bill Gates lives on the, on the, the waterfront of, of course, on the other side. It's where his house is. So it was really rich people yesterday that we got to visit. And they were nice to us. They had no interest. But they were nice. There was one house for sale by Sotheby's. I don't know if you know what Sotheby's is. It has to be very, very expensive for Sotheby's to take it up. So it was, it, was, it was hard going yesterday. But in the end of the world, it's going to be like this. It's going to be, there's going to be a short period where it's going to be extremely successful. And when the GYC loads their 50 buses and people, we go out and everybody's going to say, oh, please tell me about what's happening in the world. This, the world has gone nut, nutso. What's, what's happening? It's going to be totally different. It's going to be totally different. And Ellen White says in the book, Last Day Events, thousands in the 11th hour will see and acknowledge the truth. These conversions to the truth will be made with a rapidity, that's an important word right there, rapidity, that will surprise the church. We're going to be surprised. We're going to say, huh? Whoa. Right? That's what it says. It says surprise. So that will surprise the church, and God's name alone will be glorified. Last day events two twelve. Listen to this: the time is coming when there will be as many converted in a day as there were the day of Pentecost, at the disciples received the Holy Spirit. Now this is I'm taking a lot of these quotes from the book Last Day Events because they're all clustered there. They're actually from different sources from Ellen White, but there are a lot of them that are clustered there in the book Last Day Events. So I did that just to make it it uh, fairly easy. So most of us are familiar with the concept of the shaking. This is now Hebrews chapter twelve verse twenty seven. The Bible says yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of the things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And I brought myself a little visual aid here, which I'm going to ask somebody some, like Brooke, who has some nails, to uh, take the tape off for me because I forgot to do that before we started. <clears throat> Anybody here been in an earthquake? Okay, you've been in an earthquake? Were you scared? Not really, it wasn't that bad. I'd never been in an earthquake until a few years ago, and the door started rattling, and I was down in Southern Cal, and all the people in Southern California said to themselves, oh, this is like a school drill, it's no big deal. So they went out to the, went out to the parking lot, and I was saying, oh, what's going on? And they are like, oh, it's just an earthquake. So that was, there was some serious shaking going on. Most of us are familiar with the concept of the shaking. We know that many who label themselves believers will be shaken out. In 1893, Ellen White wrote this statement. She says, It is a solemn statement that I make to the church that not one in 20 whose names are registered upon the church books are prepared to close their earthly history. Not one in 20. That seems kind of pessimistic, doesn't it? Does it seem pessimistic to you? Seems kind of pessimistic. But it was written by the prophet. Not one in 20. However, in addition, okay, in addition to the outflow, like the shaking out, there will also be an influx. So there's going to be people that go out of the church, and there will be people who come in, okay, standard after standard. By the way, that's a flag. That's an old word for a flag, okay? This is is battle imagery written by Ellen White. Flag after flag was left to trail in the dust, okay? So if you've got a flag and suddenly it goes into the dust, what's happened? You dropped it. Okay, so you're marching into battle, you're like, I'm scared, drop the flag and run, okay? So that's what the the imagery is here. Standard after standard was left to trail in the dust as company after company from the Lord's army joined the foe, but tribe after tribe from the ranks of the enemy united with the commandment-keeping people of God. So out, and then in, okay? So there's an out, and there's an in. Any of you play Boggle? It's kind of loud, isn't it? Okay, so You shake it up. It's a shaking. Okay. And it, it, with Boggle, you're supposed to shake it out. But then you kind of have to shake it into place too, don't you? Little cubes. You shake it into place. See, I'm shaking it. There, I just shook it into place. So there's a shaking out, but there's also an in. Do you see that? I'm not making this up. It's actually there, isn't it? It's there in the quote. There will be an in as well as an out. Last day of events, 182. Some had been shaken out and left by the way. She's relating her vision. The careless and indifferent who did not join with those who prized victory and salvation enough to perseveringly plead and agonize for it did not obtain it, and they were left behind in darkness. And their places were immediately filled by others taking hold of the truth and coming into the ranks. Their places were immediately filled. This is going to happen fast. This is going to happen fast. The broken ranks will be filled up by those represented by Christ as coming in at the 11th hour, the last minute. There are many with whom the Spirit of God is striving. Tenderly will the Lord look upon them. His heart of mercy is touched. His hand is still stretched out to save. Large numbers will be admitted who in these last days hear the truth for the first time. Large numbers. Large numbers. So, there's an in as well as an out. So my question to you, two questions. First of all, where do you want to be in the middle of that? Do you, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be when there's a shaking out and a shaking in? I want to be in, but particularly, I want to be in the road. When all those people come into the, into the, into the church, right? When people come in, to, in and join God's movement, I want to be part of that. And, and I want to be part of, of helping bring them in. How do those people hear about the truth? Do they hear about it from ABC or CNN? Or Fox, maybe they hear about it from Fox News. What do you think? No? Well, what is this going to look like? This is Laodicea in America. How could this possibly happen? I mean, this is, a, this is America, you know, how, how is it possible for the in of the in and out to happen? Let's take a look. This is now 9T. This is from Testimonies Volume 9. In the visions of the night representations passed before me of a great reformatory movement among God's people. Many were praising God. The sick were healed and other miracles were wrought. A spirit of intercession was seen even as was manifested before the great day of Pentecost. Hundreds and thousands were seen visiting families and opening before them the word of God. Do you see that? That personal labor? Do you see that? Ooh. Listen to this. Hearts were convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm spirit of genuine conversion was manifest. The world seemed to be lightened with the heavenly influence. Anybody here who had been at the previous sessions with Michael Tuazon, he talked about this lightening with heavenly influence. Great blessings were received by the true and humble people of God. I heard voices of thanksgiving and praise like in 1844. There's personal contact necessary. Yesterday we made 25,000, was it, personal contacts? 25,000 personal contacts. Whoa. That's awesome, And as West Pepper said this morning, maybe Ellen White saw your face saw your face in vision. I was working door-to-door with this young guy once. We were discussing this concept, and as we walked between doors, he said, "Hi, Ellen," and he waved. <laughs> what is it going to look like? Personal contact. Folks, in our technologically advanced age, we need personal contact there has never been you know guys i'm a fan of internet witnessing i'm a fan of it i've done it myself but nothing can replace personal contact you just can't replace it they, you just can't replace it there's nothing like personal contact when somebody shows up and they actually cares about you in person it has an effect I remember i was in a car accident uh some years ago and i was sitting in the back seat my father was driving and to this day, I still have never seen the car that hit us because we were broadsided. Uh, by, he was going about 35 miles an hour, and we were basically stationary, broadsided on my side. And I broke my leg, by the way. That's the, end, that's the happy ending there. I broke my leg, but I was sitting there. We were transporting a bookcase, and there was no way for me to have my seatbelt on. And so I remember, boom, you know, the impact... And within seconds, an off-duty EMT had his hand on the back of my neck and said, don't move. So I said, OK, I won't move. And they had to break windows and glass to get me out. And they lifted me out and had a backboard. And then they took me to the hospital. And the lady who drove the ambulance was a crazy driver. And the guy told her to slow down because it was just a wild ride. I was strapped to the stretcher. Some of you may have had that experience being transported in an ambulance. So we get to the hospital, and I arrive, and I'm expecting to, to have you know, people treat me nicely and say, oh, you know, you're hurt, let's help. But there was the crankiest nurse there. I couldn't believe it. And she said, what's your name? It was really bad. It was, it was really cranky. And I think, I don't, I, I don't know, it must have been a bad day for her. What's your name? Where, where are you from? What day is it? You know, I know they're supposed to ask those questions to make sure that you're coherent. And I said, I said all the right answers. And then she says, did you have your seatbelt on? And I said, no, but and then she launched into a big lecture, and you know I'm strapped there pitifully. <laughs> lying. It was terrible. So anyway, so I, I get up. I'm laying in the bed now, and then I'm I'm going into sort of mini shock, I guess, and I'm shaking. It was cold, and I was shaking, and there was still glass on the blanket that was covering me from the smashed window, and lying in the bed, and I feel something on my arm, like this. And I look down, and you know, I'm hoping to have some sweet Asian nurse take care of me or something. Instead, it's a blood pressure cuff, and I, tr- I trace the cord, and it goes back to the wall, and there's a machine on the wall that's taking my blood pressure. And I think this is a raw deal. Why can't I have a friendly face taking my blood pressure? Right? Where was the nurse? She was back at the, sta- the nurse's station looking at her computer, seeing what my blood pressure was on her computer screen. Life has changed from many years ago. If there were ever a time that personal contact is important and necessary and valuable and will be appreciated, it is now. We've all been through many phone menus. Personal contact. There's nothing like personal contact. Gospel Workers 192. You must come close to those for whom you labor. That they may not only hear your voice, but shake your hand, learn your principles, and feel your sympathy. Ooh, there's a lot that goes into a handshake. We got a message from church the other day. It was a recorded voice giving us information. I wasn't offended. I understand that. But, but, you know, it's nice to talk to someone, isn't it? It's nice to talk to someone. Gospel Workers 188. By personal labor, labor, reach the people where they are. Become acquainted with them. This work cannot be done by proxy. You know what a proxy is? Yeah, it's a substitute. Uh huh. This work cannot be done by substitution. Money loaned or given cannot accomplish it. Sermons from the pulpit cannot do it. What I'm doing today is less important than what you did yesterday. If you went on outreach, did you understand what I said? I want you to think about this. Please, GYC attendees, think about this. What I'm doing right now is less important than what you did yesterday. Don't ever forget that. That's the real work out there. That personal contact. Sermons from the pulpit cannot do it. And GYC is full of all kinds of speakers. Praise God. I'm a big GYC fan. I want you to know that. But GYC is only the beginning, it's what you do between GYCs. Oh, that makes a big difference. Did this happen? In the early rain prototype, were they doing personal contact? Yes. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. That's Acts 2, verse 46. And then Acts 5, verse 42, daily in the temple. And where? In every house. house. Where were they? They were inside of houses sharing the good news of Jesus. That's in the early rain prototype. In the latter rain, Acts the Revolution continues. It's going to be the same. During the in of the in and out, they're going to be inside houses not ceasing in teaching, preaching Jesus as the Christ. Acts 5.42. Paul himself taught publicly from house to house. Acts twenty, verse twenty. And because of what service does for us personally, we know that the work which God will do in his people in the final moments of earth's history will not be given while we're sitting around. Acts of the Apostles 105 is perhaps my favorite Ellen White quote in the world. One of them, it says, very simply, strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. Strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. You have evil in your life? I'm not talking about salvation by service, okay? But in my experience, I was going nuts. My personal testimony as I was in college, my head was spinning. I was going nuts. I didn't know what was what. I took a year and did a year of Bible work in inner city Seattle, and that, that year changed my life. Changed my life. Strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. Acts of the Apostles 105. GC 611. Servants of God with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration will hasten from place to place. She's talking about the in, of the in and out. They'll hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven by thousands of voices all over the earth the warning will be given. So we've talked about what is it going to look like. We've talked about the end of the in and out. We've talked about personal contact, number one. We're going to go to number two. Number two is literature. In a large degree, this is, this is the quote that uh, Michael has used a couple of times in the first three sessions of this seminar, Streams of Light. This is Last Day Events 214. It's also found in several other places. In a large degree, through our publishing houses, Is to be accomplished the work of that other angel, who comes down from heaven with great power and lightens the earth. This is she's referring to Revelation chapter 18, verse one, right? That's called the the fourth angel, the fourth angel's message. Okay. In addition to personal contact, evidently literature will loom large in the mechanics of how all these people join God's movement. Okay. Last day events two thirteen. More than a thousand will soon be converted in a day, most of whom will trace their first convictions to the reading of our publications. I want you to notice this quote, okay? So all these people are going to be converted. The word most means what? Majority, 51% or more. So 51% or more of all those people will be converted because a literature evangelist goes and sells them books. Is that what it says? Okay, look at it again. Is that what it says? Mm, Not really. What does it say? Okay, it doesn't doesn't actually say that during the end of the in and out there will be all kinds of literature evangelists going out. It doesn't. It says that those people who are going to come in to God's church by the thousands, most of them will trace their first convictions back to the reading of our publications when some kid came to their door back before the shaking happened. Right? That's what it seems like it's saying. Because it says that they'll trace the, oh yeah, there was some smiley-faced kid that came to my door and that book, and it said something about what's happening right now. Right? Okay? So, a clear usage of the past tense here. Most of them will trace their first convictions back to the reading of our publications. This argues for now distributing glow tracts. At the the last session, I talked about um, the fact that I'm a wimp just like everybody else is, and I don't want to hand a glow tract at the gas station, and I have reasons why I shouldn't and all this stuff. I'm just like you. But I did. I handed a glow tract to this lady at the gas station, even though I didn't want to, and I tried to turn to leave, and she says, what denomination are you? I said, Seventh-day Adventist. To make a long story short, she was just baptized a few months ago, a couple months ago. Praise God! Just because I handed her a tract. Their first convictions traced back to the reading of our publications. This is now Last Day Events 2.14. The results of the circulation of the Great Controversy are not to be judged by what now appears. By reading it, some will be aroused and will have courage to unite themselves at once with God's people. Guess what? The book Great Controversy? Guess who read the Great Controversy and is now working for God? Boom! John Bradshaw, director of It Is Written. He's giving a seminar in one of these other rooms. Just because he read the Great Controversy How about this person? David Asherick. He's giving a seminar in one of these other rooms. Some person had a great controversy in their health food store. He read it. Is he making a difference for God's kingdom? So what was that quote again? The results, okay. It says, by reading it, some souls will be aroused and will have courage to unite themselves at once with those who keep the commandments of God. But a much larger number who read it will not take their position until they... Oh, okay. Wait a minute. I did have that kid come to my door. I did have that guy hand me that great controversy. And there was this person that handed me the the glow tract on the economic crisis, and I read that. Where was that? See that? This seems to be what Ellen White is saying. And it argues for literature distribution now. Folks, in the last five years, by God's grace, we've distributed 25 million glow tracts. It needs to be way more than that. It needs to be way more than 25 million. Way more. Great Controversy 612. The fulfillment of some of the predictions will inspire faith that others also will come to pass. And when the earth is lightened with the glory of the Lord and the closing work, that's the in, many souls will take their position on the commandments of God as a result of this agency. Well, someone is saying, someone is saying, but people don't read anymore and they're not interested in religious topics. Have you heard that? People don't read anymore. Do you know what... I have a slide to show you. I'm going to slide through this. Huh? Forbes magazine. That's a very famous magazine for rich people. Surprise! The conventional wisdom is wrong. Our special report on books and the future of publishing is brimful of reasons to be optimistic. People are reading What? More, not less. The internet is actually fueling literacy. I just read a report that high school students are doing better in their reading scores than they were 10 years ago. Huh? I thought it was getting worse. They're doing better. The internet is fueling literacy. Isn't that amazing? Giving books away online actually is increasing offline readership. I don't care if they read an e-book reader or e-reader or whatever, it's fine with me, as long as it has the truth, right? But But giving away books online actually is increasing offline readership. Check this out. This is actually New York Times, December 27, 2012. What's today's date? This is four days ago. This is four days. This is hot off the press. Can't touch it. It's hot. Okay. New York Times, December 27. Go, this is a, a brand new Pew Research Study. Okay. Regardless of where people do it, the Pew Study presented what seems to be a fairly upbeat picture of reading. Readers consumed an average of 15 books in the previous year. 14% of the respondents read 21 or more books. When you hear that people aren't reading anymore, it's a myth. They may not be reading as deeply, but people read. They read. They have to. It's the Internet. It's the Internet age. People are reading more, not less. So when someone says to you, why are you doing literature ministries? People don't read anything. That's not true. Oh, well, how about uh, religious books? Religious books? Do you realize that compared to the previous year, we don't have numbers for 2012 yet because 2012 is not closed. The, la- the year that we have the, la- the uh, most up-to-date info for is 2011. In 2011, people in America purchased 37% more religious books than the previous year. People are hungry for something religious, even if it's bogus religious, Right? <laughs> there's a great desire, a great spiritual need that people have. So you can lay that to rest as a mist, as a myth. Publishers sold 3.4% more books in 2011 than they did in 2010, including a whopping 37% increase in religious titles. I was just at at uh, the dollar store, and as I was checking out, I thought to myself, should I hand this lady a glow tract or shouldn't I? Do you think I should have? I did. And the lady opened it. She saw that it was religious. She immediately shoved it back. No, she didn't. You know what she did? She said, oh, I know I need to go to church. This has got to be a sign. I've got to go back to church. I said, you know, our church is just one block away. It's actually one block away. It's right. It's on the southeast corner. Da, 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 da. Guys, I took no skill. That took no skill for me to do that. <laughs> I just took guts. I just took guts. People are reading. Oh, it was one of my favorite stories. Uh, do I have this? Um, oh, this picture. Let me tell you this story. This is Jeanette. It's a picture of Jeanette and her son. Jeanette uh, is a hairstylist, and one day she found shoved into her, into her uh, little slot there when she came to work, she opened the door, and somebody had shoved in through her door a copy of the, something called A Day to Remember. It's a magazine about the Sabbath, and it's mostly Ellen White quotes about, uh, talking about how beautiful the Sabbath is. She read it, and she thought that was, it was beautiful. She sent for more literature. Then... She said, wow, you know, this, this, this Sabbath thing is just, is just awesome, but what do I do? How do I keep it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do I do? And she felt, she felt like she wanted more, and she said, Lord, just show me whether or not the Sabbath thing is legit. And that, I believe it was the very next day, she was in a parking lot coming toward her car, and there was a church member there handing out glow tracts. And he handed her glow tracts, including one called A Day to Remember. And she said, wait, is this on the Sabbath? He said, Yeah. And he gave her he wanted she, she wanted all his glow tracts. So she did. She took it home, read it, she says, I can't believe this. Oh Lord, what do I do? How do I keep the Sabbath? Should I really jump off the cliff and do this? Ah, I just need, please just like give me one more encouragement to to to, to, to know that this is the case. And she's, she felt really heavy about it. The next day she was walking out of Target and on top of the trash can she saw a glow tract called A Day to Remember. She said, ah, this is it! So she called the number on the back, got signed up for Bible studies, did the whole amazing facts course in a matter of two weeks. And as she was doing that course, by the way, she came to the, 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 the Bible's the little Bible study on the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. And it ends by talking about Ellen White. She says, Ellen White, I thought I had some, something from Ellen White. She went to her bookshelf and she found amazingly, a copy of Desire of Ages and Steps to Christ on her bookshelf already. And it it was given to her by someone a long time ago. And she started reading them and her heart was touched. She was baptized. She's now the glow leader at her local church. Praise his name. One of my favorite stories about the effects of the book Great Controversy as well is there was a prayer meeting going on at a church and people were sitting in a circle and talking short testimonies about what God had done in their lives and how they'd become Seventh-day Adventists. So they're going around the circle. And in that circle, there was a young man who had been handing out great controversies down at a certain street. Down at a certain street. And uh, I think it was K Street. And he said, and he'd been handing out uh, great controversies on Sabbath afternoons on K Street for several weeks. Or several months, I believe it was. On and off. And as they were going around giving testimonies, the one guy across said, my testimony is very simple. I was down on K Street and there was some guy handing out great controversies. I read it and I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And my friend who's sitting here is going, really? Can you imagine that? When you get to heaven, I believe that's going to happen a lot. Folks, delayed gratification evangelism. Delayed gratification. Okay, so let's get back on track. Let's get back on track in the in of the in and out right the shaking out and then people come in there's going to be a, so, so many people that come in it's going to do what it's going to surprise a rapidity that will surprise god's church and it's going to happen number one by personal contact number two by literature number two by literature Number three, it will also happen with boldness. Acts 4.13, right? Remember, Pentecost 1 and Pentecost 2 have similarities, right? The revolution continues. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled, they realized that they'd been with Jesus. Acts 4.13. Boldness will be part of the in, of the in and out, right? The Holy Spirit knows no timidity, right? Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And when they prayed, the place they were assembled was shaken. Acts 4. Verse 29, they spoke the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit knows no timidity. So in conclusion, there will be a period of time, probably fairly short, in which evangelistic effort will find astonishing success. You want to be part of that? I want to be part of that. That other angel, also called the fourth angel of Revelation 18, will find its bold fulfillment through our publishing houses and through hundreds of thousands of people visiting, family, visiting families and opening before them the word of God. So, should we sit back and wait for the latter rain and say, whenever I get wet with the latter rain, then I'm going to get into action. Okay? Watch this. Last day, events 193. When the churches become living, working churches, the Holy Spirit will be given in answer to their sincere request. Then the windows of heaven will be open for the showers of the latter rain. One more. The great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with His glory, will not come, it's not going to show up, until we have an enlightened people who know by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. (coughs) Folks, Everybody in the church should do something. I visited a small church recently with my wife up in the hills. It's a nice little church, super friendly people, laid back, really biblical Sabbath school. It's really nice. And afterwards, we were chatting with one of the ladies. She says, it's so hard being in a small church. She says, somebody, everybody has to do something. <laughs> and I said, that's why your church is healthy. Because everybody has to do something, even if it's small, Right? even if it's small, right, who know by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. It will not come. So where do you want to be in the in of the in and out? Do you want to be shaken up, shaken out, or shaken in? The in of the in and out. Are you willing to work now in whatever small way you can in your church? Some of you are from the East Coast, Midwest, Washington, California, you're from all over the place. Are you willing to work in whatever small way you can? Are you willing to work in your sphere of influence? And yes, to hand out literature. I challenge you not to be shaken out, but to be one of those who's shaken in. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole scripture. Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon. I like it when Jesus uses a name twice. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. I'm trying to envision what this means. Does Satan come up to God and say, may I please have so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so? That's my order for today. That's my request. That's what it, this is what it says. It says, Satan has asked for you. Does Satan have to ask for people before he goes and gets them out, sifts them out, knocks them out? I don't, I, evidently, he does. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Jesus is praying for us. When you feel hopeless, Jesus is praying for you. Is it your desire to make Jesus happy? And to make his prayer for you come true, that your faith grows stronger and does not fail? I'd like to pray for you. And then our young lady has some announcements. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for these GYC attendees. Thank you for their willingness to sacrifice Christmas break, some of the money, time, to come and listen to your word. But we've seen this morning, Lord, that at some point the world's going to come to an end. And we want so much to be shaken in and not shaken out. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, for the free gift of salvation. Keep us, Lord. Keep us. Pray for us that our faith does not fail. We want to gain strength by aggressive service. We want to do personal contact and literature. We want to be bold. Help us to know how to do that. Help us as we go back to our churches. And Lord, if there are still commitments that need to be made tonight, tonight's meeting, please let those commitments be made. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain
1: View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other
0: resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.